It's one thing to be creative, and it's quite another to make a living doing it. My name is Jennifer Perkins, and this is the Creative Queso Podcast. Each week, I chat with a different guest in the arts and crafts industry about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. I am so glad that you are here hanging out with me. If you were listening to this episode on release day, I'm in California and I'm up to my eyeballs and crafts. Needless to say, I'm having a good day. One of my favorite events of the year is Craftcation in Ventura, California. Sure, this is only my second year attending, but I loved it so much last year, like a lot, I already decided it's my favorite. My guest today is Nicole Stevenson, and she makes my new favorite crafty business retreat possible. Not just Craftcation, Nicole also produces a vendor-based event called The Patchwork Show, has her own website and podcast called Dear Handmade Life, dabbles in illustration, designs and tell- sells t-shirts made for ADD crafters like me that say stuff like, make all the things, And honestly, Nicole is just one of those people constantly spreading inspiration and valuable information with everything she does. I've known Nicole virtually for years, but within minutes of meeting her in person last year, I knew that she was just as awesome in person. After listening to this episode of Creative Queso, you will know exactly what I mean. So I feel like the running theme with so many of my guests, you included, is they do make, sell, offer a product or produce a ton of things. Just at a glance, Dear Handmade Life on the website, you have Craftcation, you have your own podcast, you have products you sell, you do consulting, online workshops, and you run a vendor-based event called The Patchwork Show. I'm going to eventually kind of touch on all of these things, but I want to kind of I wanted to ask you about like that group hustle thing and why that seems to affect so many of us, you, me, like everybody I talk to, we go through this. Do you think as creatives, we like love to keep busy with like 474 things? Do you think that's why we all have, (laughs) or do you think it's because like, if you have a nine to five job, then you get like that one big paycheck. And this is our way of getting that like one I use the term big loosely paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I hope she's going to use that loosely. Um, (laughs) You know, I have never thought about why I have my hands in so many pots. It's it's just kind of always been that way. Even when I had a clothing line, which was one of my earlier businesses, I had a clothing line and I sold it wholesale and I sold it resale. And then I started teaching classes and it just seems like no matter what I'm doing, there are multiple income stream avenues there. And as you mentioned with Dear Handmade Life, my current business, not all of them are income streams. I wouldn't consider our blog or our podcast really income streams. They're aspects that are there, almost like a way for us to give back and just provide free content for Mm -hmm. our audience that, you know, may may not geographically be able to come come to our events and kind of connect with our online audience too. So yeah, I've never thought about it, but it is it is for sure helpful having more than one income stream especially because what I what I do is event based. So there are several months out of the year where we don't have any money coming in at all. Like literally mm-hmm. nothing. 
and the bills don't stop during that time. So I still have to pay all of, all of our base bills, but there's, but there's nothing coming in there. So, and then I also think that all of our events support each other. Craftcation conference started because we saw that our patchwork show vendors, our vendors at our makers festival were missing the education resource. And they were mm -hmm. asking us as event producers questions about business, which we were happy to answer. And we used to have free um, vendor vendor nights before the shows where we would have a different speaker come in and talk about you know, PR or branding or something or pricing your pricing your products before the show. And we started realizing, ooh, people need a lot more information than we can squeeze into an hour and a half, you know, mm -hmm. with, a, with a glass of wine and, and some donated cheese plate here. We need to get a little more, a little more serious about supporting this community in, uh, in, in a bigger way. Yeah. And so that's kind of where, what was the natural progression into the podcast and the blog, that kind of aspect and then the craftcation. Yeah, I think, well, the podcast, so uh, this past year, I had a business partner at Dear Who Made Life for the whole decade that we were around mm -hmm. until this past year. And then she stepped back to focus on her other business, which is a brick and mortar cafe called Alta Baja Market in Santa Ana, California. But before that, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Uh <laughs> we're talking about, we're talking we're talking about like the the addition of the podcast oh so and yeah of the, the blog. podcast mm -hmm. so she and I live on different halves of California so she lives in Southern California I lived in Northern and the aspects of our business that we ran were super different so sometimes weeks would go by and we wouldn't even talk to each other and we were running a business together mm -hmm. so the podcast almost kind of started as a way for us to make sure that we were connecting with each other and connecting with the people in our community. And then it, it's evolved into now that we're, we're not together anymore. And it had already started to evolve into something different where it was really just a place for education to, to share that with our vendors that come to patchwork show and our craftcation conference attendees, but also our online audience too. Okay. So now is she not doing the podcast with you at all? I mean, mm -mm. I guess, it's just me now. It's all it's all Nicole all the time. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't like me, you're going to be bummed out. But oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just me. And it was definitely hard in the beginning because we had this whole kind of beginning banter thing where we would talk about what was new with our lives and things. And when I started hosting it on my own, I tried out several different ways. I tried to like talk to my guest about what was happening with us, but sometimes I wouldn't know them, you know? So I'm like, yeah. what's happening with you, total stranger? And <laughs> that was weird. And then I tried to kind of talk to myself about what was going on with me. And that was weird. So <laughs> I think I finally, after, you know, six months, I think I've done maybe 10 episodes on my own, started to get into the groove of doing it solo. Yeah. You found your, you found your happy spot. I thought it seemed completely organic when you and I talked a oh, few months awesome. ago. So you're doing Yay. a fabulous job in all the episodes I've ever listened to. So yeah, that makes me happy to hear. You have my vote of confidence. So you wouldn't consider then your podcast as one of your 754 income streams because you guys don't have, um, sponsors for the podcast or you now don't have a sponsor for the podcast would you ever consider having sponsor as someone who just started a podcast yeah. I'm trying to kind of rationalize in my mind like 
you know, how could this be an income stream? Like, do I want it to be an income stream? Will that make the, you know, then do I have to start interviewing these people that their companies they work for? I don't know. It's kind mm. of a weird, yeah. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've gone through this song and dance in your mind. Yeah, no, I definitely have. And even though it's not a direct income stream, it is kind of an indirect income stream in that for our conference, Craftcation, we have sponsors for that. And part of mm-hmm. their sponsorship package may include a podcast ad. Okay. So whereas we normally don't sell directly podcast ads, occasionally we will do it if it's a company that's you know a super good fit that feels really, really organic. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, the ads that are are on there either for our events or for a brand that we're working with at our other events. And, but I, if that weren't the case, I would 100%, I think anything that you can monetize, you should monetize if it, if it feels good to you and if it's not going to take away the authenticness of of Mm -hmm. it. So, I mean, for sure, I think there's this, sense right now that we have to be constantly churning out all of this free content <laughs> and it's exhausting and I think it's super unrealistic. Yes. It's like content creators, we got to pay the bills too. Con- you know what I mean? Free yeah. content doesn't pay my mortgage. So no. And I mean, we're expected to post on Instagram. Like if you're only posting on Instagram once a day, you're like under posting and the under posting police are going to come get you. And I just said a couple of weeks ago to our social person, I was like, listen, I only want to post five times a week on Instagram. And she was very upset with me, not very <laughs> upset, but she was, I could tell she was, she was really bummed out. And I, I kind of had to stick my ground and I just, I feel like I don't want to be part of that content machine that's producing and producing and posting and posting and posting all the time and trying to crack the algorithm. And like, you know, it's just, it's, it's too much. What about our actual work work that we're doing? Right. I know you feel like you get on that, like that treadmill of like, it just, you know, it just never stops. You're just like going and going and going. And it's like, I have to stop and like, think of new things and Mm -hmm. new ideas. I'll have stuff to stuff to post and write about. Yeah. I mean, and I also find, tell me if you think this is true. I was talking to uh, Vicki Hal, who we're friends and you know, Vicki, and she has a mm-hmm. podcast. And we were saying that at some level too, being, being an entrepreneur or an infopreneur or, you know, a content creator, whatever it is that we call ourselves can sometimes be isolating a bit. Now I know that you have these big events every so often, but like you mentioned, there's the months in between. Do you ever feel like you do the podcast as a way to have like little mini mastermind sessions or, you know, stay connected with those other small business owners? I don't know about mini mastermind, but definitely to feel connected. Mm -hmm. 98% of my work, I'm alone (laughs) with a computer. And usually, um, I, I don't really do a lot of, I'll see other people in our community do, oh, we're going to have a virtual co-working session. And I'm the kind of person that likes to work uninterrupted, like mm-hmm. often in, often in silence, <laughs> you know, or, or with um, classical music on it or something like that. So it is super lonely. And my husband comes home from work and he works with the public at a winery doing wine tastings all day. So, I mean, he's talking to a bajillion people all day and he comes home and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? What happened at work today? What do you want to talk about? And he's like, 
oh no, this is what I've been doing all day. Like, be quiet. Right. So over the years, we've gotten to the point where I just keep working for the first 20 minutes that he's home, which I'm happy to do. I, I love work probably way too much <laughs> and would choose to do it over most other things. So, um, yeah. No, I, I'm the exact, I'm the like opposite. Like I think after a day of like answering emails and having work calls and doing podcasts and picking up kids and talking to teachers that like by the time my husband comes home, you know, or he's done working and he hasn't talked to anybody. I'm just like, <laughs> I just want to sit and watch TV and not speak to anybody. Like, so I totally, I get that. You got to find, you got to find that happy meeting. But just like you too, I also like when I do like work, like, I don't understand how people like love those co-working spaces. I'm like, that oh. sounds like that. And that just sounds like pure unadulterated hell to me. Like, I don't know if it's because of my like ADD that I'm just like, oh, I couldn't take it. All those people chit-chatting around me. and. Yeah, I think different people work best in different circumstances. And I realized that when uh, my old partner, Delilah, who also happens to be my aunt, we went to Las Vegas for for a work thing and had some extra days there. So one of the days we were going to work and I was set up in the hotel room in quiet and she flipped on the TV and I went, I took my computer out into the hallway and then she wanted to go down into the casino and work. And that was, that is how she works the best is with mm -hmm. all that chaos, all that chaos around her. So, uh, I, I stayed in the room and she went down to the casino, <laughs> but yeah, every, I think everybody's different. I think that's part of running your own business is paying attention to how you work best. And just because a co-working space is working well where you're seeing people in this adorable co-working space on Instagram, it, right. it might not be for you. I know it's certainly not for me. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 uh, no hard feelings against somebody who like thrives off that. I mean, I definitely have friends that like love to be around people, but I mean, after like craftcation, if I were you, I'd have to like collapse for like two weeks. Like, Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely it, intense after craftcation. It, it's so, it's so many people's so many people's. Okay. So yeah. you have a bazillion things that you're trying to keep straight. Um, and like you, I've been making a living in the creative space for 20 years or so. And I feel like I'm always kind of tap dancing around for so many people and juggling so many social media accounts. Like we were saying, like, am I posting enough on Instagram? Am I not? Like, should I do a Facebook live? Should I do an IGTV? How do you, and then, you know, forget about a personal life. How do you, <laughs> how do you keep everything straight? All the things that you manage and run, like, do you have any like tips or tricks for those of us that are multi-passionates trying to keep all those hustles going and flowing? Yeah. And I think this year, since I've had to bring on more of a team that I'm managing, whereas before I did a lot of the stuff, the stuff on, um, with a team, but in a much kind of more part-timey, smaller way, mm -hmm. uh, my best friend is Google drive and Google calendar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was the year that I finally stopped using my paper planner, which I'd been using a paper planner since I don't know, my first to-do list in first grade. I mean, I've always been a calendar to-do list, to-do uh -huh. list dork. And, uh, but Google Calendar is my favorite. I love that you can move things around on it. You can share certain calendars with other people. And uh, that is probably my number one. And then Google Drive, 
and Google Sheet, you know, having Google Sheets and Google Docs to share all those things with people. That's where we have everything for mm-hmm. our conference planning. And one of the girls that works for us, Katie, who does marketing, who's new to the team this year, is trying to get me onto Asana and Slack and all these other things, which I have used, which I have used before, and I definitely see the value in. But I'm having a hard time letting. I feel like with Google Drive, if it's not broken, I don't need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it does it does everything that I need. We do use Airtable for a few things. Uh, and I have used Asana and Slack, and I definitely see their value. And my staff is on their own setting up a Slack thing for the staff at Craftcation. <laughs> sort of, I just, I just found out that they were doing it, but it's not something that really affects me. So I'm like, go ahead. If that's, as long as I don't have to be on it, I'm, I'm cool. Uh, I'm trying to One more app that. on your phone. Yeah. I'm trying. Oh, Planoly. I love Planoly for Instagram. Oh yeah. I really like them too. They're here in Austin. Oh really? I'm pretty sure I'm like 99% sure they're always doing like events here and I'm pretty sure they're based here. That's awesome. Yeah. They, uh, Katie, our marketing manager again, uh, uh, my friend Megan O'Toole, who's a great business and online strategist introduced me to Planoly and I just couldn't, I don't, I couldn't start it up. And then Katie came in and now I'm a total Planoly convert. So uh, I think those those are definitely my main mm-hmm. my main t- can't live without tools Google that help me. Google and Planoly. Yeah, uh, Google Google Calendar and Drive are how I keep all of those different things organized with my color coded spreadsheets and calendars. See, but it starts with the fact that you're like a spreadsheet person. Like if you're like me, and I'm just like like I have a producer that's helping me with my podcast. And then I've had also virtual assistants in the past that love the Google drive. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Like what is this spreadsheet thing? Like I just never worked in spreadsheets. So I need to, I didn't uh, either. I never, I didn't have a business background and I went straight from waiting tables (laughs) into accidentally starting my own business. So I never took a business class or I didn't, I was like, we have to do paper. We had mail-in paper applications with checks for Patchwork Show way longer than we should have because I was too (laughs) scared of spreadsheets. (laughs) So I definitely know that feeling. And once I, I mean, I did manual accounting for way too long too before I did QuickBooks, which Mm -hmm. I've been doing now for years. And being an artistic-minded visual person, it was hard for me to convert to spreadsheets but once I did and kind of started using them in my own way and again the color coding is part of it I I don't think I could organize all of this stuff like craftcation the conference it takes like over 10 months to plan there are so many moving parts to it and I think Mm -hmm. both of the people on my on my team now that are the helping a ton with craftcation were craftcation attendees before they started working for Dear Handmade Life and Craftcation. And they were like, I can't believe how many moving parts are going on here and how how this all stays stays straight. And I don't know how I could do it without a spreadsheet. I know. I I need to get I need to get on board. I mean, you you sent a little bit of shivers down my spine when you mentioned uh <laughs> getting rid of your paper planner. I'm like, don't make me get rid of my stickers and my washi tape. But- yeah, it was a hard it was a hard thing for me. I kept it for 
probably six months and I would just copy the things from Google Calendar into my paper planner Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I couldn't let go. No, and and that's not to say I can't have both. I mean, you are selling me a little bit with the color, with the Mm -hmm. color coded part. And then I noticed too, like when you and I were booking my interview on your podcast, you even have like a calendar app thing. Like I was like, look look at how organized this thing is. I have to say that that was our old podcast producer, LP, who set that up and it is the best thing ever because before that we would just go back and forth with potential podcast guests on email. Are you free this day or this day? No. How about this day? No. And having a calendar app, if you frequently make appointments or have conference calls, uh, podcasts, anything like that, it I could not recommend it enough. Yeah, I'm I'm on it. I, I want to get me one of those. So, um, you know, I was going to tell you, we jumped kind of off of podcasts a minute ago, but I wanted to ask you about how if someone is thinking about starting a podcast, how it could possibly like augment their small business that they're already running. Do you think do you think people should think of it that way, like as a, a way to augment if they like have a store or they sell a product or do you think it's better for people that are in the business of like disseminating information? I think you have to think about why you're doing it. If -hmm. you're using it as part of your marketing strategy, if you're doing it as kind of a passion project, fun, fun part of your business, I, there's a lot of podcasts now (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there was a time when there weren't kind of, kind of like with blogs, you know, there was a time when there weren't that many blogs. So you could, start start a blog gain gain a following and use it to support your other business or it could turn into your turn into your whole business and I feel like podcasts are kind of getting getting to that too whereas um, several years ago there would only be I mean more than a handful but let's just use use that a podcast within a certain topic now there's just an endlessly scrolling scrolling amount Mm -hmm. so I think if somebody's thinking, Oh, I'm going to start a podcast and that'll be a a great way for me to market my knit scarves that that I sell. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of effort. You might be better off trying to be a guest on other people's podcasts Mm -hmm. or maybe uh, trying to get features on blogs or something else. Our time is so precious because like we talked about, we're expected to constantly produce content that we really have to have to think about it. And I think people think, oh, I'll just start a podcast. I'll just interview my other maker friends and record it and then throw it up on iTunes. And in some ways it is that easy, but there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. And it and it's like I'm kind of like coming back around to realizing like I used to always use the analogy like just, you know, if you make it, they will come. That's not necessarily true just because you have a podcast and even with a fabulous guest like that doesn't mean that it's going to get found within all the other gazillion podcasts like it's a whole nother thing yeah. to promote and yeah I just I hear a lot of people be like well I'm thinking about starting a podcast to help my business and it's like well unless you're What's like your business <laughs> yeah unless you're like Amy Porterfield and you're like selling mm-hmm. like online classes like it's not really yeah. gonna help you sell anything yeah and I, I I do see for us I do see some people will come when when people register for craftcation conference there's a question of how did they find out about it and sometimes i do see that people find out about it from the podcast 
which is cool. But I would definitely say if I were counting the podcast solely as a marketing thing, the return on the investment of my time and money for that would not be worth it a billion times over. But if I'm looking at it as a way to connect, connect with the community, something to add on for our our already existing, existing sponsors and a way to give back education to the community for free. It's super worth it. Yeah. That's definitely the way to look at it. It's, it's a labor of love. Mm Mm-hmm. More than like many anything. things. Exactly. Like many of the things I do are. Right. Story of our lives. <laughs> so out of all your businesses, and I don't mean like as far back as your clothing line, but out of all the ones that you currently have and that I mentioned at the top of the show, mm-hmm. what which one of those things came like first? Was Patchwork before Craftcation? Was the podcast mm-hmm. before all of it? Like Patchwork was- show was the very first thing and my Aunt Delilah and I I had just moved in with her I had moved from Hollywood to Orange County where I'd grown up and it was a very depressing move for me I went through a really bad breakup and was super devastated and was not not very functional and she was like come move in with me in Irvine of all places which is one of America's safest cities in other words super boring and uh yeah mm -hmm. and (laughs) I don't want a whole lot going too, on. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much trash on Irvine, but um they I did live by a very good grocery store with some good international food. But other than that, it was pretty boring. <laughs> and at the time I had I had blue I had blue hair, which when I was living in Hollywood it was like whatever. It nobody would even look at me. And when I moved there, it was like I was the freak of the street. And I would, you know, go out walking every morning with my weird blue hair and uh Anyway, so we were living, we were living there and I was driving to LA and San Francisco and even San Diego to sell my, I was a maker to sell my clothes that I was making. And meanwhile, complaining about how crappy Orange County was. And we started talking about it and Delilah was like, let's, you know, we're like, let's put on a craft show here. It will make Orange County cooler and there must be, and I was like, I know there are other makers that are sick of driving to LA and Mm -hmm. San Francisco to sell their stuff. So we put together, she knew the community and kind of had her foot in, in, in Orange County and I knew the makers. So we put that stuff together and had our first patchwork show, which we thought was just going to be a one-time thing. But, uh, at that first one, the radio station NPR, the, public radio station showed up and they were interviewing us and I was like I can't believe this is happening they're like when's the next patchwork show and Delilah and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like uh in the spring yeah so we we have shows twice a year once in the spring and once in the winter and that's why because you know because you were put on the spot yeah we said we were gonna have a spring show so we did and 10 years later uh still are so y'all have been doing it for 10 years now Patchwork show, yeah. Has been and so now, and you're not just, now you're not just in Irvine. Where, where is the show now? You have, did I read that you have, like y'all have, or you've expanded. There's more than one location now, right? Yeah. So we actually never had a show in Irvine. Our first show was in Santa Ana. So we still have a show in Santa Ana. And then we also, our second location was Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And then our, we had a short lived show in Culver City, which was our third location that we haven't done for many years. But our other city is Oakland, and then we're adding Ventura 
this spring, which is where our conference also is. Is it going to be any plans to maybe like sync them up at some point? Sync. Oh, uh, no. You're, you're like, don't even say it. It's going to make my mind blow. Uh, we, we have talked, we talked about having a, a craft show during craftcation. Uh, but I think we would need to have a much bigger team to, mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, it really is a, a small team that does all all of the work for that. We have people that come and work the event and volunteers and stuff, but it's everybody's pretty tapped. Yeah, and it's. I don't. I think I. I had never been to a conference when we when we put on Craftcation, so I didn't know what a conference was supposed to be like. My first conference was at Craftcation, our first Craftcation, <laughs> and I. I didn't understand how much work it was going to be. And I think that it's enlightened me to the rest. Like when I walk around my life, all I think about is how much work other things are. Like when I go to Disneyland, all I think about is, oh my gosh, there must be somebody whose job is just to coordinate the people who pick up the trash, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I just think about all the organization and the planning that goes into, let's say, making sure that when I walk into a hotel, there's clean sheets on my bed, you know, or that when... I go to a restaurant and order a drink that they have the cranberry juice to make it. And it's, yeah. I mean, it takes a village. I mean, I, you know, I did stitch here in Austin for a little while and like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the scale of craftcation. And I can't imagine, I mean, it took us months like wrangling like sponsors and vendors and, so yes, I totally get it. You just, you forget that every little thing, like even like just taping off your booth that somebody mm-hmm. or you know all of those yeah. things yeah at this it point is... every year I'm like this is the last craftcation and then as soon as I get to craftcation and I see people walk in and the the looks on their faces and I see people hugging and having these miraculous moments of feeling like they've found their people and they're getting the resources they need I'm like I have to do this forever Right. I know. Now I just found you. Like, I mean, I've always known you were there, but like, this will just be my second one. Like, I'm like, you can't stop now. So does this mean that I can't convince you to take the show on the road, like the Renegade Craft Fair and franchise to Austin? Um, (laughs) For Craftcation, no. Patchwork show, we can expand into other cities. Craftcation, I, uh, yeah, people are like, can you do Craftcation East Coast? Or somebody's trying to get us to do it in Australia. And again, uh, I think that would just be, you know, somebody coming and investing in the business so that we could hire a team to do that, to do that stuff. We're just, I, I, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I totally get it. I mean, you know, but a girl can dream, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> a girl can and dream. That would that mean you... I could get to go to Austin, which would be rad because I've never been there and it seems like my kind of place. Oh my gosh. It's so your kind of place. Like you could, you could walk around with the blue hair and all that and like you'd fit, you'd fit right in. Now don't go 20 miles outside of town. It's a different story, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, bo- I'm a boring blonde now. So I'm sure I just went to the Midwest like last year for the first time and nobody could, my freak flag was just like under everything. So it was shocking what the Midwest was like and what people, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> good cheese curds, though. Very good cheese, good cheese curds. Well, yeah. uh, you know, and we're going to get to the cheese portion of this interview here in a little bit when we talk. About- oh, yeah. We need to talk about cheese, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let, duh, I got to bring it back to queso. So speaking of uh, dream situations, who would be your dream speaker at Craftcation if you could have anybody? Mm-hmm. Or have you already had it? 
We've had so many dream speakers. So when we started Craftcation, I think it was eight years ago, I wrote this list of potential speakers. And every time I still have that list. And every time I think of someone, I put it on there. And looking back, it's amazing at some of the people. You're one of the people that was on there for many years Aww. that eventually came. Vicky, Vicky Howell is mm-hmm. is one of those people. Um, my roomie. Last year, what was that? I said my roomie. My roomie yeah, last your year. Roommate. At the yeah, yeah. Um, last year, our keynote speaker Debbie Stoller was one of those people. I had actually emailed her since the first conference, and we'd been emailing back and forth and she finally came last year uh so and she loved it yeah she did she had such a good time and she was such a just awesome down down down-to-earth person Mm -hmm. uh so I don't I don't know if there's one person I mean I am uh a big Elizabeth Gilbert fan and I feel like that sounds cliche but um I yeah I think that would be somebody that I would be excited oh no I'd love to see her speak I'd be yeah I'd be all in on that one I'm totally I'm totally with you well it's funny just yesterday I was listening because I was doing my research on you um I was listening to your interview with um being boss girls and y'all were mm-hmm. talking y'all were talking about the book it's an older interview but it must have been kind of right when uh big magic came mm-hmm. out so it's funny you bring that up I was just listening to you talk about her yesterday mm. yeah she wrote this other book called the last American man mm-hmm. and it's not a book for creatives to get get empowered and inspired but it's awesome. So, and she has a new good. fiction book coming out that's supposed to be good. Mm. Yeah this this one's not fiction. It's um, biography, I guess you would call it. Like, but it's kind of it's kind of memoir too. I don't know. It's it's good. It's about a a survivalist guy. Oh, which well, it wouldn't normally be my cup of tea, but it was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, who knew you were into the survivalist thing? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm. I'm not. I camp in an RV, so yeah. I'm like, add that to your list of hobbies. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that goes along with like any of the speakers that you've like totally wanted to like fangirl out on. Like I was thinking about it, and I'm a little starstruck that I'm going to be on a panel with. Amy Tangerine. I mean, I've talked to her before, but she's one of those people that like, I feel like right now is really her time. So it's amazing that she's going to be there. Like I just, she's one of those weird people, like speaking of Elizabeth Gilbert and like listening to like signs. Like, I feel like every time I turn around, like I go to the Tuesday morning store to buy scrapbooking stuff. There it is. (laughs) I, I download an episode of don't keep your day job podcast. There she is. My pip squeak sticker subscription. There she was. I just got an invitation to a South by Southwest party for blueprint. And she like did some interactive mural. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, she's, she's, she is having them. I agree with you about this is her kind of her time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's, it's not like she's new to the scene. I mean, she's been in, cause I'm a secret scrapbooker and she's been around for forever, but she is definitely having a moment. Yeah. She and I met when that clothing line that I had a bajillion years ago, probably Mm -hmm. 15 years ago. She and I met because we used to, she had a t-shirt line too. 
So we would be selling our t-shirt line at the same, there weren't even really craft show craft shows back, back then. It was more like some lady, rich lady in Santa Monica invited some people over to her house to sell Mm -hmm. stuff and then would have her rich friends over for wine and cheese and they'd buy stuff. So there, that's the kind of stuff that we were doing at that, at that time. So we, I don't even remember which, which one it was, but at one of them we were vending next to each other and we both sold t-shirts and started talking and, uh, and, and that was that when we had our first craftcation, I basically just looked through my phone book and thought, okay, which one of my friends also does artsy business stuff? And that was how we had our first batch of speakers and how she ended up there. And over the years, um, she's taught at every single craftcation since the first, since the first one. And it's, I'm, you know, when somebody's like related to you and you're like, Oh really? You think they're attractive? Like I couldn't tell like your, your attractive meter disappears or something. I feel like uh-huh. that sometimes with my friends that are su- that are successful, like her, I, I forget that, um, you know, she's this person who has like a hundred thousand in- Instagram followers or whatever. In my mind, she's just, you know, this really, really nice buddy that, you know, um, anyway. No, I totally get it. I mean, she seems delightful and I'm very, I was very excited to get into one of her classes at Which one are you taking? Uh, the traveler's notebook one. I think the yeah. other, the plannery one, cause I'm not giving up my paper planner, even though you tell me to. Um, I think, <laughs> I think that one was full by the time I got in it, or maybe I'm teaching at the same time, but I did get in the traveler's notebook. So that'll be a fun one. Yes. And I want to have her be a guest on the podcast as well. So speaking of t-shirts, you're kind of like, you're kind of getting back into that. I see that you have some t-shirts on the website that you're kind of adding in a retail element. So are you like screening and shipping those or do you have a drop ship system? I'm curious because I'm kind of thinking about adding in that type of retail Mm -hmm. element. So it's been a long time since I did t-shirts and I've been wanting to do a line of t-shirts, cool t-shirts for makers for a long time. So I spent Mm -hmm. a long time doing research to find the perfect fit, soft, everything t-shirt and uh, also creating my unboxing experience, you know, creating like awesome, awesome packaging and all of that because you have to, you have to do that now. Uh, And then I started remembering some of the frustrations with doing clothing, which are sizes and Mm -hmm. making sure that you have things in stock where we also do, we also have some enamel pins and those are a bajillion times easier. You know, they come from the manufacturer packaged in a little clear envelope and I can just put them into a a shipping envelope, super easy for the t-shirts. They come back from the screen printer. They need to be inspected. They need to be retagged, you know, putting our brand label on and our, our size label on. And then they need to, all the strings need to be clipped and they need to have a hang tag, you know, p- punched into them and they need to be folded. And it's, it's a lot, uh, you know, I guess maybe it's like, I've never had childbirth before, but I feel like it's what people say about that when they're like, you know, all that pain of that. And then you totally forget. I feel like it was that with the t-shirts. Like I was like, oh, I totally forgot about all this stuff. <laughs> all the work Um, that goes into it 
Yeah. And it, it has been, it has been great and it's been really cool to see, um, you know, when you talked about fangirling creatives that I admire have, have ordered shirts. And when I see those orders come in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so just ordered one of our shirts. Right. You know, and sometimes I'll post about it on their Instagram story and it's like, Ooh, I get a, you know, for someone who works alone all the time, it's nice to have like a warm fuzzy like that mm-hmm. from, from your community. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're cute shirts. Like I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get that make all the things shirt when I'm there at Craftcation. Like, yeah, we're going to have them at Craftcation. That's going to be my souvenir. I'm determined. Yeah. So I don't know if, um, and the way I did it was, uh, de- designed, I think like 10 or 14 shirts or something. And then we released four of them and now we're releasing one every month. So oh. all the work is done for all of those shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just, like I said, be releasing one every month. And that was kind of nice because all the photos are done. Everything's done for the whole year for that. Um, but once all of these are released, I don't, I just don't think we'll be doing another line. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm glad that, that we did this, I think, uh, as I get older, I need to start thinking about, you know, what's the best use of time in the yeah. business and, you know, money and passion projects and how many of those can I have and things like that. Yeah. I, well, I wondered about the, the drop ship part of it because somehow in my mind that seems easier. And I've, um, one of my first podcast guests was, um, this couple that have a podcast called So Taco and the husband, Gerald has a company called Taco Gear that sells, you know, t-shirts and hats and pins and, you know, all related to tacos. But mm. I know he does like a drop shipper. So he's never having to, you know Do what it. I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. He's not doing that part where it's like at his house. And like, that seems mm-hmm. like makes it a little more passive, I suppose. Like once he like does the graphic design part, then. Yeah. It, I'm sure that helps. Cause I, I thought about that too, but then you're weighing the cost of our, of everything Mm -hmm. so when you're doing something like that obviously like your profit margin is going to go down a lot and the other thing is is that we do in-person events so we were going to have to have stock anyway for patchwork and craftcation um so for us it it made more sense to to do it that way but it is you know it's a lot when i go i have a little um shack studio thing in my backyard and when i go in there and see all the shirts in there that I know will eventually will eventually get sold, and we we've sold a ton of shirts already, but it's a lot adding on a whole new aspect of your business. And when you were talking about how you know somebody's like, oh, you know, maybe I should add a podcast to my business. I would definitely say before any before you add anything, t-shirts, podcasts, whatever, just thinking about why am I doing this, mm-hmm. and then making sure it's going to fit with that with that. Yeah. Well, and especially product too, because I mean, the nice thing about t-shirts, like when I used to do festivals, I used to always say to myself, like, I don't sell food and flowers. Like it's not going to go, you know, it's not going to expire, but I also totally get it as someone who co-owned a record label, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there are still boxes of CDs and t-shirts from bands in my garage attic. So, you know, I get it. So 
Luckily, now my children fit those t-shirts. So. <laughs> and and don't worry, because yours are a lot cuter than the ones that we had done. So <laughs> speaking of passive income and those kinds of things, I noticed on your website you have online classes that you have taught and that you're selling, which I guess, you know, is sort of a form of passive, passive income. But I wanted to see um, if you had any thoughts on affiliate marketing. Like I know you do it kind of through craftcation, like for people that want to send out a link for their ticket. And then I also noticed on your site that some of the classes, your ones that you sell, but others are via share a sale. You know, I've done so much mm-hmm. work for other, for other companies through the years. Like I've always created content for other websites and other brands that I'm just now starting to kind of dip my toe into the world of like share a sale or Mediavine or ad thrive or, you know, or any of this kind of affiliate people like the sway. So what are your thoughts on those? So I, um, we, First of all, having an affiliate program as a person that has affiliates. So for Craftcation, we have an ambassador program and they can get a percentage for anybody that they refer to it. And and I love that because most of the Craftcation attendees were already telling their friends, you know, mm-hmm. you have to come with me to Craftcation. So this was kind of a way to reward them for that and, you know, say thank you. We appreciate that. And here's some proof that, that we're appreciating that. So being on that side of the of of affiliate market affiliate marketing has been awesome and I think it has been good good for our community and uh I don't know if we've necessarily sold more tickets because of it but I I for sure would not get rid of it being on the other side being an affiliate for other things I guess I feel like why not Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it's there and 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 it feels organic uh I was already linking to, for our DIY blog posts, I was already linking to products on Amazon, like books and things like that, that, that I would be talking about. And then somebody that I know was like, why aren't you an Amazon affiliate? And I was like, I don't know. How do you do that? You know, and it was kind of mm-hmm. one of those things. And I'm like, what do you have to do? And then when I realized what it was, I was already doing it, you know, and we do not bring in a ton of money from from Amazon, from the affiliate program there. I mean, it's maybe like a hundred dollars a month, but that was a hundred dollars a month that wasn't coming in, wasn't coming in before. And for something that I was already doing, I was already Mm -hmm. linking to Amazon. And, uh, the other thing we do is online workshops. So we're, I taught a creative live class. So I, it was I guess just natural for me to link to some of their workshops that our craftcation presenters had taught and to use mm-hmm. their affiliate program that way. Uh, and that's worked out well too. I definitely uh, get emails from like a bed company or, a, you know, uh-huh. something else that's not, that's not super out of, out of the, it's not like somebody is like, we make uh, wrenches for marine, for boats or something. And <laughs> it's all things that could be within the realm of normalcy. It might necessarily be a craft supply, but it's like, you know, a, a bed or something. But I haven't really gotten on board with, with any of those, those things. 
Yeah, no, I like just this week I got contacted by like a company that sells bras and then mm-hmm. another company that has like candy covered almonds. And you know, mm-hmm. depending on like what day of the week it is and like how many gigs <laughs> yeah. I have coming, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, well, I do wear a bra most days. Like, how could, how could I spend this? You know, like, how desperate am I for money this week? Well, and it's like, you know, it's, it is funny though, too. I talked to Kathy Connell Mario from Crafty Chica a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and you know, and she kind of said, if you can't like envision yourself like putting it as an Instagram post, then don't mm-hmm. do it. And so now I was just like, how am I going to talk about like a bra on mm-hmm. Instagram? Like, you know, unless yeah. it's like, unless they want me to like bedazzle it or glue pom pom yeah. pasties on it. Like that would be I mean, cute. It would be cute, but I'm just using that as an example. Like, you know, with the bed, like, yeah, crafters do get tired. I'm not sure how I'm going <laughs> to. Where do you lay down after a long day of crafting? Exactly. Comfy, foamy mattress. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Worn out from all that hot glue gun work? Well, then. <laughs> we've got, exactly. So sometimes you have to be like, well, I just didn't know. Because, you know, like you, it's like, you know, I have the Amazon affiliate. And now there's the Amazon influencers and you know, all those other things. There's just so many. I mean, it seems like it's a whole nother job, like setting up all those. I should do it if I'm like you and linking to those things anyway, but. Yeah. I think if you're linking to it anyway and it makes, and it makes sense. Why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You're just, you're just leaving money on the table as Mm -hmm, they say. mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. so come in, come in full circle. You kind of got started down maker lane by being an artist. I know you originally were going to school for creative writing, right? Is that Mm -hmm. what it was? Yeah. And I mean, like, like me, I was telling you earlier, like I have a degree in psychology that now I do very little with. <laughs> I say I'm a well-adjusted. That helps you with your crafting. <laughs> exactly. I am a very well-adjusted crafter. I'm here to tell yeah. you, no, not really. But, you know, so a lot of us have these degrees that we don't necessarily, like last week I talked to um, Abby Glassenberg from While She Naps, you know, and like she has a degree from like Johns Hopkins and then a master's Mm -hmm. from Harvard and like, Mm -hmm. you know, and here she is like crafting and doing a podcast. So, but I know you, you know, then you went into being an artist and then you're, you got started selling stuff in Venice and you had a brick and mortar store and then reps with your clothing line. But I see, you know, you mentioned a little bit with your t-shirts that you're kind of coming back around to art now you have Nicole Stevenson studio so are you kind of just are you starting to dip your toe back into the arty side uh I started dipping it in maybe three years ago when I was wondering what's next Mm -hmm. you know I've been I was in the seven-year itch with your handmade life and I was like okay it's been seven years like what's gonna happen now and Delilah my partner was um uh, kind of starting to divert as well mm-hmm. and you know with with her with her other business and I was trying to figure out what was next for me and I've always done illustration and art and uh, I also thought about doing consulting and just being a consult consultant uh, so I put some effort into both of those things and, you know, got my website going and kind of put a, put my portfolio together and had some illustration clients and design clients. And then, and and was doing that. And at the same time was doing some consulting here and there and still doing Dear Handmade Life. And then as time went on, I kind of realized I didn't want to be an illustrator full time. 
Mm-hmm. And I also didn't want to be a full-time consultant. I realized that I liked having Dear Handmade Life. And even though I'd been doing it for for a long time, it was what I liked doing. And it utilized my skill my skills well. So why did I have to find something else just because I'd been doing this for so long? So uh, I will occasionally do illustration or design work, but I think I wouldn't have known that I didn't want to move back to back towards those things unless I had actually tried them because I did Mm -hmm. spend many months thinking, okay, what should I do? Which one should I pursue? What should, you know, where should I go reading all these books and doing all this stuff and like self-helping my brains out. And then I was like, you know what? (laughs) I'm just going to do both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to do both and I'm going to see what happens. So I was like, okay, how do you make Squarespace website? okay, let me get out all my sketchbooks and see what I've done over the years. Like what, how, and, and put all that stuff together and, uh, got some clients. And while I enjoyed doing the work, I realized I didn't want to do it full time. It just, well, I don't I think know. sometimes I just, you, yeah. sometimes you need to do it to like get back to it. Like I, I didn't know when I, like I mentioned, I listened to your interview on being boss and you were kind of joking about like, how many owls that you were having to paint when you had your clothing line. And oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I too remember the owl phase. That's when I was, you know, in hot and heavy and naughty secretary club jewelry land. And I didn't know if, if like me, if you had just like experienced like such bad burnout from it being your full-time gig, like I am just barely starting to even think about wanting to make jewelry again, because after day in and day out, I was just like, Oh, don't make me touch another bead. Yeah, no, I got super burnt out. That was how, so my clothing business was called Random Nicole and it started out with me just selling my stuff at at a flea market and over the years evolved into having a bunch of reps. I think I had like five different reps all over the country and who were taking my stuff. You know, when I would make samples, I would have to make five sets of them to send to like the rep in Atlanta and the rep in Texas and the rep over here. And the, sh- and the showrooms and all of that. Plus I was doing trade shows on my own and was in hundreds of stores, had a bunch of full-time employees and part-time employees. And I was so miserable. <laughs> I felt like this machine that was just like churning stuff out because I had to do like, I can't remember, I think it was like four or five lines a year. <laughs> so, oh and gosh. it was just, it was exhausting. I was having um, stress-related health problems. And, uh, just kind of a mess, let's just say. And Mm -hmm. then at that same time, I went through that breakup and kind of moved to orange County and was like, I don't need all these reps. I don't want to, you know, do very much wholesale or trade shows anymore. And I was like, I'm going to go back to doing craft shows, (laughs) which was, you know, pretty close to how I started. And, and I did, and it was great, and it led it led me to 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 Dear Handmade Life and doing Patrick Show and Craftcation Conference and all of those things. But um, yeah, well, you know, I think it's interesting because everybody talks about like scaling is such a big word and like growing, mm-hmm. but like you know, it's, and at the same time, it's like be careful what you wish for because sometimes just like sometimes you get to a point where you've scaled beyond what you what you really like want you didn't may not mm-hmm. have realized that when you thought you wanted it but then you get there and you're like dude I gotta just peel it all back and just like you know go back to selling at the craft shows and the flea markets and 
you know, just kind of get back to the root of it before you find your, your groove again. Yeah. I, I, my business brought in more money than it ever had before in those, you know, those most successful two years, but I was also more in debt at the end of those years, which I don't even know how that happened. You know, I didn't, I didn't really have the business training to, to look at things that way. But, um, I kind of, when I started my business, I started at the kitchen table, you know, I didn't have a studio or a space or anything. And I called that period, the return to the kitchen table, you know, cause I went from having like a big, a big gigantic studio and all these employees to going back to doing everything myself and doing it at home again. And even now I am working at the kitchen table. I'm, we're recording this podcast. I'm, I'm at my kitchen table. This is where, this is where I work. And this is really, I don't need anything else. Yeah, I mean that and that's the thing too. Like if you're happy at the kitchen table, then like stay at the kitchen table and like you know when your business gets to a point where you're not when your handmade business gets to a point where it's so successful you're not ever actually having the time to make anything handmade anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes I'm like sometimes I just got to glue stuff to stuff like <laughs> I got I yeah. got to get back to the to the actual the making of the stuff. Yeah. So it, once you turn it into a business uh, it can be difficult to to be making the things, the thing that started you doing everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I guess I, I don't think people like realize that. Like it was funny when I used to host a TV show, you know, it was a daily show. I hosted 120 episodes and I'm sure like if you were watching the show, it looked like all I did every day is craft. But you know, a lot of that <laughs> was like I was filming four episodes a day with guests and there were step out. So I was never actually getting to craft you know everything was so quick like for tv so like I remember like coming home after spending like six weeks at a time in a hotel room in LA being like oh my gosh like I just want to like make stuff because I haven't I haven't been able to make anything for you know like I'm I'm surrounded by crafts and that's my business and what I'm getting paid for but I'm not getting to make any crafts I just want to glue crap could anybody get me a glue gun um so you are so busy. Do you ever like, do you ever have any downtime or do you feel like you're always like planning the next event or the next thing? Um, I don't have a lot of downtime. Uh, You don't say like August is my month where I never do anything. It's usually a slower time of year for us in June and July, Mm -hmm. June. And for a couple of years, I would go on like a trip. Like that's when I went on my honeymoon when I got married five years ago. <laughs> but, um, and then a couple of years ago, I did what I called sketchbook summer where I used my sketchbook, um, a lot during, during June. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it's definitely something I've thought about lately because I will work until I'm forced to stop usually by my husband's like, can you sit down and eat now? (laughs) So, um, I've been thinking like, okay, I'll turn the computer off at seven. And then I'm like, well, then what do I do? What am I going to do? Just sit down and watch TV. Cause I'm, I'm a doer person. Mm -hmm. So I think I need, I did buy an embroidery kit at craftcation, uh, a year ago and I've done three stitches on it. <laughs> I carry it with me everywhere I go <laughs> and have basically gotten nothing done on it. But there, there, one thing I have been, one of the classes I really was excited about was punch needle at craft. Ooh, me too. I signed up. 
Yeah, although I will not be able to take any classes there, I have one of my friends that works for us too is going to take the class and she's going to come come back and teach me. Teach you? Yeah, and then I'm going to buy one of the teacher one of the teacher's kits and so I'm hoping that maybe Maybe I'll like punch needle and that can be, I'm a couch crafter. So that's my favorite kind of crafting is when I can sit on the couch and watch, I don't mm-hmm. know, like reality bites or some other movie that I've seen like a bajillion times and, and craft, but I, yeah, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out like, what do I enjoy doing? I know. Or do you enjoy doing? Is that what you, you know what I mean? Like that's the other yeah, thing. Like for some of us, enjoy doing, yeah, no, but. I enjoy, I enjoy doing too. You know, I feel like sometimes people bark at you like you should slow down and you should take time off, but it's like, mm-hmm. but I really like what I do and I like doing, you know? So yeah, I, I need to, th- I have been trying to think about what, what did I used to do? <laughs> right. I mean, I, but I'm thinking back to like 15 or 20 years ago when I was a different person, but I do like thrift store shopping. So I have mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks when I've been running errands, just popped into a thrift store and, and looked around. So it's definitely, I don't know, trying to, trying to rediscover what I enjoy. <laughs> it's like the journey yeah. song. Find yeah. the joy of rediscovering you. Find the joy yeah. of rediscovering yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Thrift store and uh, possibly punch needle. And then we'll see what else. And then get some of those stitches done on the embroidery. Yeah. I know. It's like me with my uh, espadrilles. They're still, they're, they're literally literally in the closet with me right now. I kept being like, yeah, I'm going to totally like finish those espadrilles in my From free time. From the classic craft yeah, from last yeah, year. Yeah, I got them. They're in the closet with me. But it's not because I don't love them or want to do them. It's just like finding the time, you know, yeah. or like sitting down and do it. But I will, damn it. I will get those, get those shoes done. So in your free time that you might one day have. Yeah. Where, if would you ever enjoy it over a bowl of queso? Talk to me about queso in Northern California. I'm assuming it's there because you're in California, but it might just not be like the lifeblood like it is here in Texas. It, I definitely wouldn't say it's the lifeblood, but, <laughs> and I hadn't thought about answering this question until you just asked me right now. <laughs> and there is, there is a place, I'm going to try to think of the name, um, so I live close to the Russian River, mm-hmm. and I'm I need to Google this right now so I can tell you what it is. Margarita Bar. Boop. Okay, there's this restaurant in Guerneville, which is a town that's on the Russian River that actually just was like almost completely underwater during some a really bad storm we had. And there's a restaurant there. It's a margarita bar called El Barrio, and they make a queso type thing, although. I don't know. You're probably a purist and this one has goat cheese in it. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds delightful. (laughs) So it's goat cheese and uh, I am not the part of my family that is of Mexican descent. So I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but nopales. So cactus, Uh Cactus. pieces of like pickled cactus. And uh, I think it has some salsa in there too. And I have done my own copying version of it just, just at home. And that is my favorite queso that I've had up here for sure. That sounds very good. I do love me some, some cactus and some goat cheese. Yeah. There's like a Thai restaurant down the street from me 
and like only in Austin, like I saw on the billboard, they had a thing that was like, try our Thai queso. And I was like, I am. <laughs> That's I, rad. I was like, I am very intrigued by what is involved in this Thai queso. I need to investigate this further at some point. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do for all of us. Cause I think, I don't think I'm the only one that wants to know what's in Thai queso. Right. I was like, I didn't know they were, there was a lot of cheese involved in Thai food, but Mm-mm. I need to get to the bottom of this. Well, I will see you soon in California. And when I do, hopefully I will have a Thai queso report for you. Yes. I want to hear everything that's in it. All about it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I, I can't wait to see you in just a few weeks. Thank you for having me. This was a joy. Amazing. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. And I thought I had a lot of creative irons in the fire. Not only does Nicole Stevenson keep the balls in the air, she makes it look easy. Be sure to find Nicole online at Dear Handmade Life, where you can learn more about craftcation and patchwork. Subscribe to her podcast. And might I suggest the episode where I'm a guest, wink, wink. Buy a t-shirt, take a class, and get your creative on. And you know what else? Speaking of podcasts, they're more fun with friends. So you could share this episode with your crafty BFF. Screenshot it and share it on your social media channel. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. The more, the merrier. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you want to hang out again before next week's episode, you can always find me at jenniferperkins.com or creativecaso.com. Plus, don't forget to go through the Creative Queso podcast archives where you can find chats with guests like the Crafty Lumberjacks, Vicki Howe, Kathy Connell-Murillo, and more. I am your host, Jennifer Perkins. Shout out to my producer, Mariah Gossett, and to Chris Beck for the tunes. And I will talk to you guys next week.